Hello, and welcome to One Single Thought, the podcast where two Christian single women take theological deep dives and bring perspectives on life mixed with levity and joy. I'm Rose Booth, and joined today in every episode by my good friend and co-host, Heather Bump. Hello. Hey, Heather. How are you today? I am good. So, we're back for episode two, so we survived the first episode. Yes, we did. And thank you all for those of you listening. We're rolling right along. So, we're actually in a new location today. We're sitting in Rose's closet. (laughs) That is our new sound booth. (laughs) We're we're practicing, and we appreciate if you've been, uh, if you listened to the first one and you decided to come back, we really appreciate it. We um, appreciate your patience as we figure this out. We were at uh, your kitchen table Mm -hmm. previously. And so now we're trying something different to get the acoustics a little better. So when you're low budget and you're doing this essentially for free, (laughs) um, it's going to be a little hit and miss. But we're going to keep working on it. So we appreciate your patience. And we always take good suggestions and bad ones. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But we will do what we can to apply them and make it better. And just so you have a visual, my closet's a walk-in closet. So it's not like Heather and I are jammed in between coats in the coat <laughs> closet. <laughs> we do have room. There's shoes around her. We even have a table in here. We have a little TV table, clothes, even some medical supplies, but we're good. <laughs> we're good. We have plenty of room, so we're not going to suffocate in here. Um, so before we jump into our episode, I do have to make a little plug. We don't have any sponsors yet, no. but when we get big, hopefully we will have some sponsors. <laughs> But if we were to have a sponsor today, I think today's sponsor would be our pastor's latest book, which is Journey Through the New Testament. And it came out a couple of weeks ago. It actually came out the day our podcast launched on July 5th. And it's published by Tyndale House. Shout out to Tyndale House. And we love our pastor. And this is a really cool book. That takes you through every book of the of the New Testament and outlines it, and explains like the setup of the book and the life application of the book. And I've been through Matthew so far, so I'm just started working through it. But it's really really good. You can find it anywhere you buy books: Amazon, Barnes and Noble, all the general places. But um, I think this is his seventh book, wow. maybe. Yeah, it seems like he's writing. I know he's probably listening. Um, yes. But um, we, we love our pastor. We love our pastor, and he's he's been writing books, and we're really thankful for him being willing to put his wisdom out in writing for yes. us to read it. I think he's working on a sequel to his spiritual warfare book right now. Oh, wow. But I can't say that for certain. But he's has, has had commentaries out on John, uh, Mark. He did a Jesus' Final Week book, so... You're going to put the link to the book in the description. I will put a link to the book in the description. So Mm -hmm. if you would like to pick up a copy of Journey Through the New Testament, you'll be able to do so. And his name is Dr. William F. Cook III. And so you can click on that name in Amazon and see all his other books that you could purchase as well. We appreciate that. And so our non-sponsor sponsor sponsor (laughs) is Dr. Cook's books today. Which is a really good segue to to today's One Single Thought discussion because we're going to be looking 
at a story from the New Testament today. Yeah, so today, and we mentioned it last time, we are going to talk about the uh, parable of the prodigal son. And you may be wondering, um, of all the things we'll be talking about, why we chose that. Um, just a side note, this is in Luke 15, 11 through 32. And we've been going through the book of Luke in our women's Bible study on Sunday mornings. And so we studied this lesson a few weeks ago. And we found it very interesting that the curriculum for this lesson began the study in the middle of the parable at verse 20. So it's like dead in the middle of the parable. And that focus on the second half of the parable helped us to understand the main point of the story. So that leads us to our one single thought for today, which is... Ready? Ready? I'm ready. Lay it on me. (laughs) It is context counts here. And so before before we jump into our thoughts on this passage, Rose, will you tell us what a parable is for anyone who may not know? Yes, so a parable simply, if we just want to use a very simple definition, a parable is a simple story that teaches a moral lesson. That would be the easiest definition. But I know Heather and I both are kind of word geeks, so we like to dig deeper. And Heather um, found some uh, good etymology on the word parable. And the word parable comes from the Latin word parabola. And that means comparison. Now, for those math geeks out there in our audience, the word parabola may look familiar to you if you remember your geometry lessons. The mathematical parabola refers to a curve that's shaped like the path of something that's thrown forward and high in the air and falls back to the ground. And so when you think about that visual, when you think about describing a parable, um, and we'll be talking about uh, parables today that Jesus told, that's the way that Jesus taught many times to um, his followers and also to the Pharisees was in parable where he threw this idea up in the air and allowed it to come down in a simple format to where they could understand it. So I'm going to summarize the first part of the less of the parable since we're going to focus more on our discussion on the second half, but I'm going to tell you a little bit about the first half. And you may know <clears throat> this story already. It's probably very familiar to you, but there was a man and he had two sons and the younger son asked for his share of his inheritance from his father. And the father granted it to him, and he decided to travel to a very distant country. And when he did, he wasted his fortune in reckless and immoral living. And in the country where he resided, there was a famine that hit the land, and then he was pretty much destitute. He had wasted all the money, all the inheritance that he was given, and ended up having to feed pigs, which was a pretty, for for Jewish people, that was a very demoralizing job to feed Mm -hmm. pigs. Well, it would be for anybody, but especially for the Jewish people. And he said that he thought to himself that my dad, my father's hired hands were probably eating better than he was. And uh, he decided to go to his father and and really confess that he had sinned and that he felt like he was no longer worthy to be called his son and to be and he would even be willing to be one of his dad's his father's hired hands so you know you kind of you're going to get pretty down in the dumps if you're willing to come back to your father knowing you've you've failed knowing you've squandered all of your inheritance in a reckless and immoral lifestyle and willing to come back and actually just be a, a hired hand and not even be considered his son anymore he was that desperate And so that's where the first part of the story 
begins in, in what we're really familiar with. Um, and so I'm going to let Heather read the second half of the parable, which is where when we studied the lesson, we focused on. Right. So this is uh, starting in verse 20 of chapter 15. It says, so he got up and went to his father, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For the son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him, but he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders, yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. All right, so the younger brother has come home and the father has welcomed him back without question. So not even allowing the son to continue with his pre-rehearsed speech. He's going to, um, you know, he's going to his father. He's going to say, take me in as your servant. He didn't even get to that point in his speech. Uh, his father cut him off and he dresses his son in fine clothes and prepares an elaborate celebration to welcome him home. And it says that the older brother is out in the field. So he didn't, he wasn't there when this initially happened. But what we can tell about the other older brother from what we read here, um, what we can take out of this, is that he's a committed, hardworking man, and he does what he's supposed to do, and he doesn't do anything to bring shame upon his father. So I know over the years when I've read this, and I don't know if this is the same for you, Rose, mm -hmm. but um, you know, you automatically kind of have this cynical attitude towards that older brother because of his bad attitude. But, you know, we don't always look at okay what were the good qualities of that that man there mm -hmm. um, because we do see later the father does build him up for what is good his good qualities um, i always looked i mean i think i've always looked at the story from mm -hmm. the prodigal son viewpoint i mean mm -hmm. i i was never a prodigal child in my life thanks to the grace of god but i, I think i just really glazed over the older brother yeah and, and clearly never thought about, well, yeah, he's been faithful. He's been working in the field, even was working mm -hmm. in the field when his younger brother came home. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so this older brother, which for, um, for ease of talking about him, I'm going to call him OB. OB. Not OB. Not OB1, but um, OB. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, so OB represents the attitude that the Pharisees had. Um, Ob as an older brother. Yes. yes. <laughs> um, so his long lost brother has come come home, but he feels nothing but disdain and jealousy and pride towards him. And so, how does this parable rose? We're looking at this in context with the ones 
before it because there's Mm -hmm. two other parables that Jesus shares Mm -hmm. before this. How does this fit in that context? Right. So let's talk about context for a minute since that is our one single thought. Context counts here. What does it really mean to read in context? So when I think about context, I always think about when we were in school, how we always got tested to be you know, how's your reading comprehension and how much are you, you know, how much are you retaining based on the context? Or we'd have a a story we'd read and the teacher would say, well, tell us what this means in context. And basically reading something in context means you read what's before, what's after. You read the full portion of scripture when you're reading scripture in context to assure that you're you're really reading it in, in context so that you're really getting the true, what God really meant in this, what Jesus was saying in, in this in this passage. I'll share an example. So this week I was reading a devotional and during my you know my time with the Lord and the it had a focus passage, a focus verse, and then did a little vignette and you know on that verse. And the verse was Second Timothy one seven, which is Second Timothy's a book that Paul was writing, a letter that Paul wrote to Timothy. In the verse 7 of chapter 1 says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but one of power, love, and sound judgment. Now, in context, if you read the whole chapter 1, especially after it, uh, the next verse says, So, don't be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord. So basically, Paul was ex- you know, explaining to Timothy that don't be afraid to share the good news in the gospel to those um, around you. And interestingly enough, this devotional used that passage to talk about physical fear, overcoming your fears of heights or your fears of whatever, your fears of your circumstances. And I have to say, the whole time I read the devotional, Mm -hmm. my mind was exploding. I'm like, this is wrong. This is not in context. So what we want to talk about today is is context counts here, and this is just one example in, in Scripture of how context counts. So in, in this parable of the prodigal son, it comes as the third parable after the lost sheep, the lost coin, and then the prodigal son. Now in the lost sheep, there was one sheep that got away from the shepherd, and he went to find that one lost sheep. And Jesus was using that as a, a parable to explain why it's important to go after that one lost soul, that one person. And there was rejoicing at the end of that story because the lost sheep was found. The lost coin, a widow had lost this coin she swept and cleaned and finally found it and there was rejoicing at the end. So the first two parables end with rejoicing, but this parable really ends with discontent from OB. He is (laughs) not happy and upset and We find that, yes, the prodigal son has been found, I'm doing air quotes, but the the OB is not happy because he feels like his his brother is getting a lot of attention that's undeserved. So Heather, I mean, now that we've sort of understood the context of where this parable lands, you know, what, what do we see? What is being taught here? Um, How do the brothers compare and, and, what does it mean for us today? Mm-hmm. I think we want to talk about that. Mm-hmm. I think we have to realize first that Jesus is talking, telling this parable. He's speaking to the Pharisees. This is one of three parables he's shared. And, and let's, 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 since we're not going to assume that everybody knows, mm-hmm. maybe a quick definition of who, who are the Pharisees. 
They were religious leaders in the time of Jesus who had taken the Old Testament scriptures and added to it. They had added all this stuff to Moses' law of what it meant to be a faithful person, a person that's faithful to God. And so they have added all these additional rules and requirements. And as a result, the people were oppressed under that system of legalism, essentially mm-hmm. saying you had to have to do all these additional things to be saved. And so Jesus talks a lot. He addresses the Pharisees and the religious leaders a lot throughout the new, the, the gospels, throughout the four mm-hmm. gospels, calling them out for this, this heresy that they are committing mm-hmm. by adding all of this stuff to God's law. And so they are very hypocritical, I guess, is the word I'm looking mm-hmm. for. And they were, they were adding all this stuff to the law, and then they were also doing stuff that they were giving themselves passes. Mm-hmm. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. Yep. It's funny. They were big followers of Jesus, but not in the way that they were interested in and wanted to follow him and his teaching, but they were looking for him to make a misstep. Mm-hmm. And so he, they were watching his every move, listening to his every word, and would jump in to to counter anything he said anytime that they had the opportunity. Yeah, and they they ridiculed him a lot for spending time with people who, in their eyes, were not people you should be hanging around with if you were devout and holy and we, we see that when he's been accused of um, hanging out with prostitutes and tax collectors, um, going to Zacchaeus, which is a whole other really cool lesson we studied recently. Mm-hmm. But just spending time with people that the Pharisees did not agree with. And so Jesus was not afraid to speak back to them. When In this parable of the prodigal son, Jesus uses this older brother as representative of this attitude that they had towards people who were coming to salvation. I I think when I've read the parable before, I've never made that connection until we studied this, that the older brother is the symbol of of the Pharisee. Yeah, and so when we think about that and trying to apply this parable to us today, we may not be able to identify necessarily with a Pharisee and their attitude towards someone who is lost or someone who was not following their standards. Um, but we can take some principles out of it. We can sit here and judge the older brother, quote, OB, for his bad attitude. But how many times have we been jealous over other people for the blessings they've received in life? Because he was jealous of his younger brother because of this reception he's gotten. Um, so why, you know, we oftentimes feel jealous of other people, especially unbelievers. You know, we, you know, Rose, you've talked about it before. You've gone through so much in the last couple of years and, you know, we see non-Christians who are living it up. Yeah. I think, you know, what struck a chord with me when I, when we, when we did this study and why we wanted to do this as a podcast episode was I would, I would read this parable, I would study the parable, and I would say, well, I'm not the prodigal son, so, you know, I can't really identify with him. And so many times the older brother's story was glossed over. And when we started to dive into his story, I really began to kind of understand where he was coming from. Not that it was the correct attitude, but I'm sinful, just like the older brother. But, you know, I went through a season 
uh, not long after I lost my leg in December when I was recovering and just really mourning that loss that I was really frustrated and very jealous when and envious if I saw other people who were living it up and has, have no concept of eternity, no concept of life after this one and not obedient at all and following Christ and they had two good legs and could do whatever they wanted and like the older brother I was like hey what's going on here this doesn't seem right this doesn't seem fair and so those things kind of clicked with me that I began to really see that that's not the right attitude to have it's the human sinful attitude that I had but it's not the the right attitude and i think there's many ways and many situations where we can fall into that mm -hmm. instead of celebrating that someone has come to christ or celebrating that someone is turning their life around we see that well we've been obedient all these years and we're suffering or we're mm -hmm. not getting what we think we should have yeah and i i think too if you think of someone who has had a pretty wild life and comes to jesus if it's someone that has given us grief in the past, someone that we've um, had difficult relationships with, if they've changed, if they've come to Jesus and now they're saved, I think it can be hard, just being honest, you know, being hard to, to one, believe that that person really changed and then believe that they are committed, but then also trying to balance that with all those old feelings that you have there. I thought of the Apostle Paul because mm, he was yeah. persecuting the church. And it's it's hinted at, but I know that the early church, I'm sure they were afraid of him mm -hmm. after he was saved. Okay, how do we know that this man is truly converted? Right. How do we know that he's not just trying to infiltrate and finding mm -hmm. a way to kill us all, you know? Right. And so... I can imagine those feelings were there and you know speaking from a modern context we can think of ways that you know we've had if we've like I said we have difficult relationships or if you had abusive parents or anything like that if those people change and they come into your life back into your life with a different spirit a different attitude how are you going to respond to that and are you going to be holding over the past over them mm -hmm. or are you going to believe through evidence of a changed heart are you going to accept okay this person now is my brother or sister in Christ and now we can work on mending things so really you know the question is do we have the spirit of the father when someone mm -hmm. turns their life around to follow Christ or do we have the spirit of the older brother mm -hmm. who is stomping his foot and going, Hey, I've been, I'm over here doing my thing, being obedient. And I think our typical nature is not to throw a pig on the barbecue and, yeah, <laughs> yeah. and get a, you know, get a, get a robe and jewels and all of that to give to him. I think our attitude is so much more mm -hmm. like the older brother. And I think if we take it, when we talk about singleness, if we take it to that level often those who are still single can get very skeptical mm -hmm. and not skeptical but they can get very jaded because they're not married and so I know a lot of girls who I don't say a lot I've known girls who refuse to go to wedding showers they mm -hmm. were tired of doing that because hey look I'm doing what I can do and and my one of my 
my favorite sayings that I always say to people is, marriage is no more a reward for obedience than single is a punishment for disobedience. Mm. Yep. So marriage and singleness are not some some sort of achievement or 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 punishment. Mm-hmm. And so just because we're being obedient and living living as we should, it's, it's similar to me losing my leg and going through what I've gone through. It doesn't necessarily mean that I've been living a a, a life of immorality. It's part of God's overall plan for mm-hmm. me. And I can say the same thing about singleness, mm-hmm. that singleness allows us to fulfill the role God has for us. If we don't marry, we're able to do things that married people can't because we have that freedom to do it. And I think if, uh, if you look at it from that perspective, too, there's a lot of lessons to be mm-hmm. learned there. Heather, are there other examples you can think of that that we haven't covered that would be similar to how the older brother in, in today in our society today? No, but I will say that I do like the fact towards the end of the parable that the father does acknowledge the older son for his commitment, and he mm-hmm. still upholds his inheritance. Mm-hmm. So you're still going to be rewarded for what you've done for me. Mm-hmm. But now it's time to go and celebrate your younger brother. And so I can't say that for sure about the Pharisees because I don't think they, you know, there were some Pharisees who did come to follow Jesus, but, you know, overall they didn't. Mm -hmm. But I think if you think of this in the terms of the Jews who came to, came to Christ, who who believed, and then eventually the Gentiles were brought in, Mm -hmm. you can think of it like that. Okay. So you've been offered salvation. You have this inheritance from the time of Moses and now Mm -hmm. you're being fulfilled in Christ. Mm -hmm. Now we're bringing in these Gentiles. So there's this whole other element there. I think you can probably, probably apply to it. Yeah. That, you know, we should welcome them and these people who were away from God, who were doing their own thing, who were heading for hell. And now we are welcoming them back to the fold or welcoming them into the The fold. fold. Mm Mm-hmm. What I loved at the end, the father said to the son, the older son, son, you are always with me and all that is mine is yours. Mm -hmm. And I love that because if we go through seasons where we feel like the older brother, where we feel like we've been overlooked or put aside and we've just been, you know, doing the work of the father all along, it's so comforting to hear the father say, you've always been with me. Mm Mm-hmm. And that is comforting to me to know that he is always, he's always with me. And, and that's, I think that's a comforting, a comforting statement to hear the father say, especially our heavenly father. Mm-hmm. All right. So to reiterate our one single thought for this specific main topic here is context counts here. And when we read the Bible, particularly passages that might seem obscure or confusing, it's important to read the passage in its context. Otherwise, we may not see or we may not understand what God is really teaching us. So that is what we would like to convey to you. This one single thought for the prodigal son today, context counts here. Yeah, and I think, think about that when you read scripture mm-hmm. of any kind, that context yep. really matters. Yep. All right, so in lack of a musical stinger, we are going to switch (laughs) gears abruptly 
hear the record scratch. <laughs> and we're going to go into the random and Ricky segment. Yay! Alright, well I'm going to start with my random fact for the day. Random information. So my random fact today is about Hershey's chocolate. Ooh. When Hershey began to make chocolate, when Milton Hershey decided, I, I want to make chocolate, he wanted to make it very affordable. How could he create chocolate that would be affordable in mass produce? And he had purchased at the World's Columbian Exposition in 1893. He bought equipment there. He started with boiled milk, sugar, and cacao beans. However you say that. Cocoa beans, cacao, cacao. cacao. Yes. So he wanted to try to make it very affordable. Well, the very first Hershey's chocolate bars were made with almonds. They were produced in 1908 because they were cheap to make. So the nuts took the place of some of the more expensive milk chocolate, which meant hmm. Hershey could keep the price of the candy at a Interesting. nickel. A nickel. Can you imagine buying a candy bar mm. for a nickel? I personally like Hershey bars with almonds in them. So it's good to know that that was like the first way that he mass produced hmm. to make Hershey bars affordable. I still like I still like little Hershey the little nuggets that have oh, the yeah. almonds in them. At least I feel like I can cheat with those, and they're not quite as bad. But yeah, so the first uh, chocolate bars with almonds were produced to make it cheap, to make it affordable. Yeah. Do you have a one single thought to sum that up? Oh, a one single thought. Milton Hershey was an extremely efficient <laughs> chocolatier. Yeah. Now I want some chocolate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Well. My one single thought for Ricky today, and I'm sorry for this, but oh. it's persistence is key. <laughs> you gotta love a good pun, people. You gotta love a good pun. Sorry, I couldn't help myself. I was typing the word persistence, and then I thought, persistence. I'm gonna add a purr in there. So, if you listened last time, you heard that I was training my cat, Ricky, my 15-month-old tabby. <laughs> orange tabby and we're doing very well he's learning to sit oh wow. i've taught him the sit gestures a, a hand signal that you do you raise your hand up and he knows when i see that he sits down and so i'm really excited because i think it's starting to click we're still no pun intended because you're using yeah the clicker. i'm using it's clicker <laughs> training and so every time he hears the click he associates that with something good and he gets a treat so he's learning how to sit and slowly moving towards more complex things um i think handshakes are coming up and some agility training later on down the road so there's going to be some exciting things with mr ricky um also persistence with the morning clawing he's doing he's also doing it to me at night too now whenever oh, i'm wow. underneath a blanket oh he thinks he pounces on mm, me nice um and so i think the way to break a cat of that is to to ignore the behavior so i've been doubling up on my blankets and it's in the middle of the summer and so i've got my bed sheet a blanket and then my quilt over that and i'm sweating but it's usually in the morning when it happens so i usually don't need it till early morning when he's trying to wake me up but it worked this morning i i was like padded on my bed my cat is attacking me but i did not move at all and he finally gave up so I'm hoping that persistence with double covers (laughs) (laughs) 
eventually will keep me from being mauled every day. So that that is what's going on with Ricky right now, and hopefully this will get more exciting as we go. Do you know when you talk about training him with a clicker, it makes me think of that Office episode where Jim used the clicker to train Dwight to want to Altoid. Do you oh, remember yeah, that? Yeah. Every time he would, he, he would go click, click. Every little ding on the computer, then he, he would say Altoid. And yes. then he just got to where he put out his hand. So I'm <laughs> I think about that. That's funny. Yeah, it's pretty funny. Um, but I'm, I've been really amazed at how well he's learning and... I'm being optimistic that this is going to pay off, and it's starting to pay off very slowly. All right. We've changed the last segment of our podcast. We, it was, what was the... We so it was it? how you feeling, and now it is one single question. We figured that was went better with our yes. theme, and I, I wasn't feeling the how you feeling. <laughs> <laughs> So we changed it to one single question. It's going to be the same. We're going to have a question each episode that we'll answer. And so today's question is, what is the Lord teaching you right now? So I will throw it to Heather to give us, what is the Lord teaching her right now? I One thing I think the Lord is teaching me is that God will provide what you ask for a lot of the time. Sometimes he doesn't because he knows better. But when he does, it may not be delivered in ways you thought you would see. They, they're, they're delivered in ways that you do not anticipate. So I will give you another cat example. It's very lighthearted. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, but I, for a long time, I'm not a morning person. I tend to stay up too late. And it's really hard for me to get up in the morning. And so over the last year or so, I've been really desiring to be able to get up in the morning and use that time for stuff. It's like reading the Bible and getting ready for work and not being late and going for a walk or exercising or whatever, have that time. And I didn't think that getting a cat would bring because <laughs> I've been praying about this for a long time that, that the Lord would help me change my priorities. So I wouldn't stay up so late watching TV and wasting time, go to bed at a decent hour, get up, I never thought that getting a cat would do that, but just like I said, you know, he wants me to get up, uh, Ricky wants me to get up very early. And so I thought about, well, yeah, I could just train him out of this. If I, you know, eventually you can teach a cat to let you sleep later. That is possible that I've, what I've heard. Um, but then I thought, well, you know, I've been praying about this for a while, mm -hmm. that the Lord would help me get up earlier and use that time. And so here I've got this furry alarm clock that wakes me up every day at the same time. I don't know how he knows what time it is, but he does. Same time every day. And so I get up, I make coffee, and I take care of him and all this kind of stuff. And so then I end up with a couple hours before work with that are, that are completely open. And so now, I think it was recently, I realized, you know, you've, you've been given what you've asked for. <laughs> it's in a weird delivery method, but you've got it. There's, you've got at least two hours before you have to be at work that mm -hmm. you can do Bible reading or you can go for a walk or clean or whatever you need to do. And so my thing now is, okay, I need to prioritize that time and not spending watching TV in the morning, like watching the news and playing on my phone or whatever, and really taking what God has blessed me with at that moment and using that appropriately so God has delivered something in a way I didn't anticipate. And mm. I think he's just reminding me of that right now 
And I, I have been going for walks now more often, and I'm keeping the TV turned off more. That's really cool. I mean, I think, in you know, for our single crowd out there, it's funny because I think that as a single person, we, we have sometimes less discipline about that kind of stuff mm-hmm. because we're here by ourselves. So it's not like, well, my spouse is going to bed, so I probably should go to bed or... We don't have kids. We don't have kids. That are keeping us up that are keeping us up and getting us up in the morning and all of that so we we do have tendencies i'm the same way i'm not a really morning person and so we have tendencies not to to sleep heather said just get a cat it'll fix your (laughs) fix your problem but i can barely take care of myself right now so we don't need to have a cat but but yeah that's that's pretty cool all right Rose, what's the lord teaching you so this week uh have been a a few things that all sort of tied together as I've been reading scripture this week, it's come to, to my reading over and over about how with God nothing is impossible. And also that outcomes that we're very, atta- as, a, as a human, I'm very attached to outcomes. Mm-hmm. So you think about it when you watch a movie, when you you expect that movie to end a certain way and, and you know everything has a happy ending like if you watch a hallmark movie you know how it's going to end it's going to end happy when really that's not that's not how our lives go our, our mm-hmm. lives don't always have the outcomes we want i'm in a season where i don't really know where my final outcome will be but i've got a pretty good idea because i'm sort of there but what we what I have to remember is that there's nothing that's impossible with God. So whatever mm-hmm. his plan is for me, it's better and greater and more wonderful than I can imagine. And I can't get so wrapped up in my own outcome of this is how I want things to go. And I mm-hmm. spent a good portion of the last two and a half years in the beginning just saying, I got to get back to work. I got to get back to life. I got to get back, you know, and and to quite be quite honest, I'm not going to get back to life as I knew it. It's going to look different. And so the outcome isn't as as I expected. But I also know that with God, all things are possible. And whatever his plan is for me, he's going to make a way for me to do it. So it's just been refreshing to acknowledge that fact. And that God has brought me to scriptures and things to show me that his, I mean, his, his story for me, his plan for me, that he's writing is much better than I could ever write. So that's real encouraging. And I think as we walk through life, if you're in a difficult season or you kind of feel like sometimes is God truly there, it's always good. You know, we talked today about context. We talked today about getting in scripture. I think it's good to get in the word because even if you don't leave every time from reading your Bible with some epiphany that makes you go, oh, that's great. <laughs> The repetitiveness of reading his word and keeping ingesting it, God will eventually show you things. And Mm -hmm. this has been something throughout this week that has been a theme from different ways that I've studied scripture that just keeps coming back. So that's what the Lord's been teaching me. You know, you said that the outcome has not been what you expected with your health and everything. Mm -hmm. And if you had the outcome you expected, we would not be probably not be doing a podcast right now. probably not because you would probably be back in corporate america and mm-hmm. who knows that's very true so. so god knows the best and it's a matter of me like loosening my grip on that and mm-hmm. letting letting him giving him the reins every day and i literally mm-hmm. have to do it every day because i keep wanting to take it back 
All right, well, that wraps up today's one single thought. And so we will be back in two weeks for our next episode. We are going to be talking about corporate America. Speaking of corporate America, Rose, again, we said this last time, but even though you're on hiatus right now, Mm -hmm. you have a lot of wisdom there. And um, I've been at the same company for 18 years. So I think we're going to have some things to say. But we're going to try to make it encouraging. And it's not just... From a single perspective, although that's that is our perspective, um, but we would like to, you know, as as a Christian, how mm-hmm. do you interact in a company that may not be sharing your values and mm-hmm. and that kind of thing? So, it'd be interesting discussion. I think you know when we talk about that, like you just said, Heather, it's not just from a single being a single woman in corporate America, but just being a Christian in mm-hmm. corporate America and. Mm-hmm. How do we navigate those waters appropriately? All right. Well, we will see you again on August 2nd. Yep. So thanks for joining us today. And until next time, don't follow your heart. Follow God. We hope you've enjoyed One Single Thought. Our theme music is provided by Lindsay Cook, and we're so happy you joined us. Please be sure to share this episode with a friend, and don't forget to subscribe so you won't miss a single episode. We'd love it if you'd rate and review our podcast so more people can find us and join our tribe of listeners. 